Little Johnny is standing in the foyer at church, and he sees a plaque. And he looks up at the plaque, and there are names on the plaque with American flags on either side of them. The pastor walks up next to little Johnny and says, good morning, Johnny. Johnny says, good morning, sir. Polite little boy. Pastor looks at Johnny and says, Johnny, what are you looking at? I'm looking at the plaque. Who are those, who are those people? Somberly, soberly, the minister looks at Johnny and says, those are the people who died in the service. Johnny goes, oh. And then he kind of had a look of terror on his face, a look of fear. His eyes get wide open. And he looks at the pastor and says, which service, the 8.30 or the 10.30? Now, that joke may have actually been inspired by today's story that we know from the book of Acts. This is a great story. And uh, it, the sermon is called, You Snoozed, You Lose. And we're going to learn about a guy named Eutychus who did just that. Now, next week... Um, we're going to have a guest preacher next week. Next week is family camping weekend. A bunch of us are going to go to, go to Tippecanoe River State Park, and we're going to camp for the weekend out there. Pray for us that we will not be eaten by too many mosquitoes and that the weather will be nice and uh, not, too, uh, not too hot. I remember my first camping weekend here at Griffith First Christian Church, and it was like 90 degrees every day. And there is Sean and Shannon and one-year-old Jonathan in a tent. And it was 90 degrees. It was 72, 73 degrees at night. Oh, we could not, the fan would not blow hard enough. And I'd sleep with the fan every night, and we had the fan in the tent and everything. But anyway, um, I think it's supposed to be a little bit nicer next weekend. Uh, so Stephen Massey, our very own Stephen Massey, will be here to preach next Sunday uh, from Ozark Christian College, and we look, or Ozark Christian University. We look forward to having him here with us next week. The following week, we're going to finish up our sermon series on the book of Acts, and then in October, we start a new sermon series called Knowing Your Enemy. And uh, just a real quick reminder, that Sunday, October 3rd, that we start that new sermon series, we also start our new worship time. Worship service will start at 1030. What time will the worship service start on October 3rd? Very good. I expect to see you all in your faces, all in your places with bright, shiny faces at 1030. Some of you are thinking, I can't get here at 1045. How am I going to get here at 1030? You can do it. Okay, so that's where we're going. That's, where we're going. that's what we're going to do in the next few weeks. But for right now, I want you to grab a Bible and turn to Acts chapter 20 as we talk about snoozing and losing. In Acts 20, we meet up with Paul again, and Paul is on his way to Jerusalem. It's the end of his third missionary journey. Paul has taken, he's on his third missionary journey. He's taken three missionary journeys out throughout the Middle East, uh, spreading the gospel. He's gone to places like Greece and Philippi and uh, Athens, all these different places that he's gone to take the gospel and preaching to, to Jews and Gentiles alike. Uh, he's been beat up. He's been left for dead. Uh, he, has been, he has incited riots like he did in Ephesus. So we, he's in a city called Troas, and Troas is 10 miles from the ancient city of Troy. And so he's come to this city, and we're there in Acts chapter 20. And in chapter 20, we start in verse 7, and we see something very important, something that really kind of defines one of the things that makes the Christian church, churches of Christ, the Christian church and churches of Christ. It's what defines us. Uh, chapter 20, verse 7, on the first day of the week, we came together to break bread, to take communion. Paul spoke to the people. And because he intended to leave the next day, kept on talking until midnight. 
There were many lamps in the upstairs room where we were meeting. Seated in a window was a young man named Eutychus, who was sinking into a deep sleep as Paul talked on and on. The gospel writer Luke is the guy who wrote the book of Acts. I would, I would hate to, 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 Paul's sermon is <laughs> on and on. How long was this sermon? Preaching until midnight. What time did he start? It's the first day of the week. You figure the first day of the week is Sunday. That's a work day for the Jews because the Sabbath is on Saturday. So we got Sunday. It's a work day. So maybe after work they roll into the upper room there. Uh, they're on the third story and Paul's preaching and he's preaching on and on, Luke says. And he gets to this point and uh, Eutychus, we find out, is falling into a deep sleep as Paul preaches on. And on until midnight. When he was sound asleep, he fell to the ground from the third story and was picked up dead. Paul went down, threw himself on the young man, and put his arms around him. Don't be alarmed, he said. He's alive. Then he went upstairs again and broke bread and ate. After talking until daylight, he left. The people took the young man home alive and were greatly comforted. Paul was talking probably from, you know, maybe 5, 6 o'clock in the evening until midnight. That's when Eutychus falls out. It's the intermission, apparently. The halftime entertainment goes down, brings him back to life, goes upstairs, and then talks until daylight. Maybe 6 o'clock in the morning, 5.30, 6 in the morning. Goodness gracious, that's a long sermon. That's what? 10, 11 hours? I get people looking at their watches after 25 minutes. Could you imagine sitting in the room with Paul? I, I, I don't know. Maybe Eutychus wasn't the only one falling asleep as Paul preached on and on. But there must have been a riveting sermon. So we get to uh, the point now after Eutychus raised from the dead, Paul calls the Ephesian elders, the church, the elders from the church at Ephesus to himself uh, because he's going to say goodbye to them. And the reason he's going to say goodbye to them is because he knows he's going to die. He knows that he is going to go all the way to Rome. He's going to take the gospel to Rome, and he's going to lose his life very shortly. And he's never going to see the elders at Ephesus again. Paul lived among the Ephesians for three years, and he grew very close to the church there. Uh, The church in the surrounding areas around Ephesus, he grew very close to that church. He loved those people. He loved the elders there. And so he leaves some parting words with them. We're going to pick it up in Acts chapter 20, verses 22 through 24. And we see really Paul's passion. He says, Now, compelled by the Spirit, I am going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me if only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. Paul then gives more words and challenges to the Ephesian elders to shepherd the flock that God has entrusted to them, to watch over the flock, to be overseers over them, and to take care of the church. That's the job of the elders, is to take care of the church when it comes especially to spiritual matters, to shepherd the flock. When you think about what an elder does, when you think about what a shepherd does, a shepherd takes care of sheep. A shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Jesus told us that he is the good shepherd. He lays down his life for the sheep. What that literally means is what, they would, what shepherds would do in Jesus' day is they would take um, uh, brush and shrubs and rocks and things and they would build a pen around the sheep. And then they'd leave a gate. And the shepherd slept in that gate. So that if a wild animal, a lion, mountain lion, 
uh, bear, anything, if a wolf, coyote, anything is going to get through that gate, they got to go through that shepherd. Whatever is going to harm the sheep has got to go through the shepherd. The shepherd will lay down his life for the sheep. Why? Because the shepherd was personally, financially responsible for every sheep under his care. So when elders are referred to as shepherds, this is so important to remember. This is so important to remember because today starts nominations for 2011 for our officers for next year, for elders and deacons and trustees. When it comes to elders who are called to lay down their lives for the sheep, anything that's going to hurt the sheep has got to go through the elders. And the elders have to take that responsibility so very seriously. When Jesus calls himself the good shepherd and elders are called shepherds and they are to oversee and take care of the flock that God has entrusted to them, they are to be like Jesus. They are to be like Christ and lay down their lives for the sheep. So we continue on through Acts chapter 20. I want to read Paul's challenge to them uh, in Acts 20, starting in verse 32. Now I commit you to God. And to the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I have not coveted anyone's silver or gold or clothing. You yourselves know that these hands of mine have supplied my own needs and the needs of my companions. In everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak. Remembering the words the Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. When he had said this, he knelt down with all of them and prayed. They all wept as they embraced him and kissed him. What grieved them most was the statement that they would never see his face again. Then they accompanied him to the ship. They had such a deep affection for Paul. They had such deep love for him. That when they found out they'd never see him again, they wept bitterly. And they cried. They hugged him. They kissed him. He was their brother. He was their friend. He was their mentor. He was their teacher. He was Paul. And there are three important things that we can learn from this passage. But before I talk about those, I want to talk about a movie that you may have seen. Have you, have you seen the movie The Blind Side? And, and the movie The Blind Side is a true story based on a true story about Michael Orr. Michael Orr is a mammoth individual who plays for the Baltimore Ravens. He's an offensive tackle. Somewhere in the range of 6'5", 6'6", 6'7", 6'8". He's He's tall. Weighs probably 330, 340 pounds. He's big. Michael Orr lived in Memphis, Tennessee. And he was a a homeless, gigantic African-American teenager from the wrong side of the tracks. A friend of his gets him into a prestigious, pretty much whites-only private school and gets him into the school. And the football coach immediately sets his eyes on Michael, goes to bat for him, gets him in the school, uh, and tries his best to get him on the football field. One day, Michael is, is leaving after school, and the Tui family sees him. It's right before Thanksgiving, and he's just walking down the street in the pouring rain in a pair of shorts and a, a polo-like shirt, and they pull up alongside him and ask him where he was going, and he said he was going to the gym. Well, the gym was closed that time of night, and he had no, basically he had nowhere to go. So they invite him over and he spends the night at their house. The Tui family owns many, several fast food restaurants. They're very well off, very well to do. And they eventually end up adopting Michael into their family. Why? Was it because they could see the potential in him that one day he would grow up to play in the NFL and they could stand to make millions of dollars off of him? 
I don't think so. I think that the reason that they did is it was a family of faith, and I think they understood a very important thing, and that is that people matter. People really do matter. And that's the first thing I think we see in Acts chapter 20 is that people matter. If you have a bulletin, and you can locate that bulletin, on the third page is a bulletin of the bulletin is a handy-dandy outline, and you can fill in uh, the blanks on your handy-dandy outline and follow along with this morning's sermon. People matter. I cannot stress this enough. As a church family, as the Christian church, as the church of Jesus Christ, we have to grasp this. We have to understand this. We have to live this. We have to breathe this. This has to be our passion. People matter. How do I know this? Well, I look at Paul, who could have been frustrated, could have been angry, could have been disheartened by Eutychus falling asleep during his 11-hour sermon, falling out the window and dying, could have said, eh, leave him alone. But see, people matter. Paul went down there, raised him from the dead, brought him back up. Why? Because people matter. I think about the Ephesian elders. He calls them to himself and he issues a challenge to them. He tells the, the Ephesian elders to watch over the flock that has been entrusted to them. Why? Because the flock matters. Because people matter. I think about uh, Paul and how the Holy Spirit testified to him that he would undergo hardships. He would undergo uh, persecution. He, would undergo, he, would, he was going to die for his faith. He was going to die for what he did, which is tell people about Jesus. Why would Paul go through all of that? Because people matter. Again, with the Ephesian elders, they, they end up crying over the fact that, that Paul is going to, that they're never going to see Paul again. Why? Because people matter. We get caught up in so many things and so much stuff that really doesn't matter. We get caught up in, you know, the church can get caught up in fundraisers and politics. Not that fundraisers aren't necessary from time to time. Not that politics isn't important. But when fundraisers and politics take precedence over people, that's a problem. Because people matter. Tell me, when it comes to politics, things like that, tell me how burning 200 Korans is going to help anybody experience the love of Jesus Christ. People matter. We get caught up in, in building programs and projects. Tell me how a $20 million building program is going to help anybody uh, experience God's love. How is that going to help? How is taking, you can't tell me that you couldn't take $20 million, divide that in half, take $10 million and build a nice building, a comfortable building to worship God in, and take the other $10 million and build a warming shelter or build a homeless shelter for people who need, uh, who are dying in the streets. There was a church in Minnesota that took like $26 million to build a new building. Mega church, 8,000 people gathered for worship there every weekend. They took $26 million to build a church building so that they would be comfortable and, and have this wonderful place to worship God in. And, and not 15 minutes down the road in Minneapolis, there were people who would die, in the, die on the street in the middle of winter. People matter. We get so caught up in personal preferences, and I've talked about that enough for the last two, three weeks. You all know what, how I feel about that. But we get caught up in personal preferences, and the people don't matter. Because what I want matters. That's not the case. People matter. 
programs, preferences, projects, politics. None of it matters as much as people. People matter. And they have to matter to us. Listen to 2 Corinthians 5, 14 and 15. It says, Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all. That those who live should no longer live for themselves but for him who died for them and was raised again. He died for all of us. Jesus didn't die for a program. He didn't die for a project. He didn't die for our personal preferences. Jesus died for people. Everybody. One died for all. Jesus died for people. People matter. I don't know that I can stress that enough. People matter. The people inside this building, the people outside this, people, outside this building, the people out there who don't know Jesus, the people in here who do know Jesus, people matter. And it's got to be our focus. We have got to be committed to helping people hear about Jesus Christ. Secondly, Communion matters. I told a few people this, and you may disagree with me. I, I, heard a, uh, I heard a statistic about the church in England. Over 90% of people said the most important part of the worship service to them was the sermon. I disagree. I don't disagree with the statistic. The statistic is true. I disagree with the concept. I don't think that the sermon is the most important part of the worship service. Do you know what? Because when you look at Acts chapter 20, verse 7, why did the people get together? They got together to break bread. They got together to have communion. They got together to do what Jesus told them to do, which was remember his death and proclaim his death until he comes again. To me, the most important part of our worship service is that weekly reminder of communion. I may have told you the story about the guy in my first church um, who came from the Church of God where they didn't take communion every week and he started coming to the Christian church there in Atwood, Illinois and he, he got up to do a communion meditation one Sunday and he said that when he first started coming to church there he thought that communion would become less important that it would become less significant that it would become less special because we did it every week and what he found was that communion became more important it became more special it became more significant because he did it every single week and I don't know about you, but I know I need that weekly reminder. I need that weekly reminder, that physical, tangible reminder that Jesus died for my sins, for the things that I've said, for the things that I've done, for the things that I've thought that are not pleasing to God. I need that reminder that I am a sinner saved by God's grace. That's the reminder I need. And so we take communion every week. We follow the early church's example where they did it. They came together on the first day of the week to break bread. That's what we do. And to me, that is the most important thing that we do, that we remember that Jesus died. Because if Jesus didn't die, if Jesus didn't rise again, then what we're doing here is, is not important. It's, not worth, it's worthless. Without the cross, without the sacrifice of Jesus, none of this matters. Communion matters. Communion is so important. Listen to, to 1 Peter 3.18. This is why we do it. Christ died for sins once for all. Again, people matter. The righteous for the unrighteous. To bring you to God. He was put to death in the body but made alive by the Spirit. It's so important that we understand that when we take communion, we are doing something so special and so important 
that wonderful reminder that Jesus died for our sins. And, just, and, and there's something so significant in that just as Jesus died, when we're baptized, we die with him. Romans 6, 3 through 5 says, Don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Jesus Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. If we have been united with him like this in his death, we will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection. Jesus died and was raised. When we're baptized, we, we die. We die to ourselves, we die to sin, and we are raised to new life. I'm so excited. We got a couple of baptisms we're going to do a little bit later on today, and uh, I'm I'm just I'm. It's the greatest feeling in the world to see somebody come to faith and say, "I want to be baptized. I want to give my life to Jesus." And we're going to do that a little bit later on after today's service. And uh, but I want you to pray for those who are getting baptized today. We do not gather. We do not gather to hear sermons. We do not gather to give offerings. We do not gather to sing songs or to fellowship. We, get, we gather to remember. And that remembrance, that remembrance of Jesus' sacrifice, that communion that we take is what fuels everything else that we do. That communion fuels our songs. It fuels our fellowship. It fuels our offerings. It fuels the sermon. Because it's all about Jesus and what he did for us. People matter. Communion matters. Leadership matters. I want to just kind of remind you again that today is the day that our nominations begin for offices like trustee, elder, and deacon. And I want to remind you that, you know, we can't elect somebody in November unless we nominate them in September. And October. So from now until October, I think it's the 17th, we'll be taking nominations uh, for, for those offices. But um, I want to brag about our church leadership for just a moment. I want to brag on our church leadership. I have never worked, honestly, and, and I don't mean to insult those I've worked with before, but the group of elders that we have now is the finest group of elders I've ever worked with. I have worked with great elders in the past. I've worked with wonderful elders in the past. But the group of elders that we have right now, Mike Ryan, Tony Martinez, and Bob Rooks, are the finest group of elders I've ever worked with. They are absolutely wonderful. They care about this church. They care about people. They care about you. They care about Jesus. They care about the Word of God. They care about me, and they care about David, our youth minister. They are wonderful men, and I really, really, really appreciate them. I really appreciate those guys. We have great deacons in our church. We have wonderful deacons who lead our ministries and who take care of a lot of the behind-the-scenes work to make sure that we have really good programs, to make sure that kids are getting watched and taught, to make sure that we're having potlucks and fellowship events. We have great deacons who put on uh, plays and dramas and programs. and I mean, we just have incredible deacons who do very, very good work. And I appreciate you guys so much. We have really good trustees, great trustees who take care of a lot of the business, 
uh, the business side of the church. The elders give them jobs to do, and they get them done quickly, and they get them done efficiently, and they make good decisions, and we really appreciate our trustees. We have ministry leaders who put on programs like KFC and VBS and our, our cherubs class and our kids' worship and our nursery. We have great ministry leaders who do that. We have wonderful Bible study teachers. We have great youth sponsors. We have great leadership in our church, and I would really appreciate if you would let them know through a round of applause just how much you appreciate the work that they do, because they do a great job. Our church ministry leaders do a wonderful job, and the, the thing that they really understand is that leadership matters. Without good leaders in the church, we are not going anywhere. Without leaders who are not, if leaders are not inspired by the Holy Spirit, if they are not filled with the Holy Spirit, we're not going anywhere. If they're not dedicated to the Word of God, we're not going anywhere. We have to have strong leaders, and we have very good, strong leaders, and I really appreciate the leaders that we have. Again, today starts the nomination process uh, for our leaders for next year, um, and we'll uh, make an announcement about that a little bit later on and how that works. But I want you to write down a couple of scripture passages real quick when you comes to thinking about uh, nominating people for elder and deacon, a couple of scripture passages to keep in mind when you nominate. 1 Timothy 3, 1 through 13. 1 Timothy 3, 1 through 13 has qualifications for elders and deacons. 1 Timothy 3, 1 through 13. Titus chapter 1, verses 5 through 9. Titus 1, 5 through 9. And 1 Peter 5, 1 through 4. 1 Peter 5, 1 through 4. I ask you to check those out before you nominate someone and, and take a look at those. Because leadership really does matter. Leadership matters. If we're going to move forward into the next decade, if we're going to move forward into the next uh, century, into this century, keep moving forward into this century, we need strong leaders. Strong leaders with vision. Strong leaders who keep their eyes on the prize. Strong leaders who keep their eyes on Jesus. Because leadership matters. Bill Hybels is the minister at Willow Creek Church, and I like what he says about the local church. He says that the local church is the hope of the world, and I believe that what he means is that the local church that is focused on Jesus Christ, that is focused on proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ, is the hope of the world. If we will reflect God's glory, if we will reflect Jesus Christ to this world, we can be the hope of the world. People can find Jesus when they come here. People can hear the gospel when they come here, how Jesus died for their sin. What we do as a local church, folks, what we do is important and what we do matters. Our people matter. Communion matters. And leadership matters. Don't fall asleep on these things. Because if you snooze, we all lose. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the uh, opportunity to talk about Acts chapter 20 today and how some things are really important, how some things really, really do matter. I pray that, God, you would keep our hearts and our minds focused on the things that are important, the things that matter. You'd help us to keep our, our thoughts and our minds on, on things like, uh, especially on people and the importance of people. People matter so much that, you, that Jesus died for them. Help us to keep that in the forefront of our minds. Help us as we celebrate communion each week to keep that special. That it would never become routine or ordinary. And help us, Father God, to be wise in how we select leaders. 
because leadership matters. Help us, God, to focus on the important things and what really matters. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.